welcome to another episode of Everything is Canon, the Centrelink's podcast. I'm your host, Steve Duncan. However, you may have found your way here. Thanks so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we invite authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at cinelinks.com, or you can always find me on Twitter at stevedunk5 or at Everything Canon. Today in the show, I'm talking to Shauna Miles all about her traditional publishing debut for all time, which is described as... The Sun is Also a Star meets Outlander in this vivid, utterly romantic debut novel about two teens who relive their tragic love story over and over until they uncover what they must do to change their fate. For All Time has the makings of an epic, grand love story spread across time and space, but Shanna does the smart thing and makes the story much more intimate than that, focusing on the little things that make two people fight to be together. With lots of time travel, important messaging, and a great ending that really examines the difference between choice and fate, For All Time is a fun read all around. We talk about Shannon's humanitarian and charity work, her time as a librarian, how contemporary books deal with the pandemic, For All Time, of course, and much, much more. While this is a spoiler-free discussion, the odd minor detail may slip out, so if you haven't read the book and don't wish to be spoiled at all, better start listening now, but definitely double back once you've read it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. As always, around these parts, we encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, if we do that again, or each time we or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. Just a reminder that October is National Bullying Prevention Awareness Month. So we should all take the approach, if you see something, say something. And while it may be hard, it could really mean the world to somebody who's a victim of bullying. And this really should be done all year long, not just because the Gregorian calendar says so. Shauna Miles attended the University of South Carolina, where she earned a bachelor's degree in journalism. With a passion for reading, she continued on to Georgia State University, where she earned a master's degree in library media. Born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina, she considers herself a dyed-in-the-wool Southern girl. As such, she moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where she met and married her husband, a fellow educator. When she's not writing about Southern girls in love, in trouble, or in space, she's sharing books with teens as a high school librarian or reading stories to her two young daughters or advocating tirelessly tirelessly for appropriate uh, appropriate representation for marginalized people in children's fiction. Speaking Speaking of which, she's here today to talk about her new book for all time, which is described as The Sun is Also a Star Meets Outlander in this vivid, utterly romantic debut novel, about two teens who relive their tragic story over and over until they uncover what they must do to change their fate. Please welcome to the show, Shauna Miles. Hi, Shauna. Hi, so nice to have us, have me here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thanks for coming on. Um, I just want to, is this your debut? Because you had... uh... Um, I, I self-published a book. Okay, right. You know, but yeah. you know, in, well, in publishing news, that doesn't We don't count. count those. We don't count those. That doesn't, that <laughs> never, it never happened. Forget it. Forget it I brought it up. It never happened. I'm going to edit yeah, that part out. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I self-published, but, um, and we oh. can talk about that because I've talked about that before, but, you know, because they're, you know, the nuances are different. They are different and it's a totally different thing is you know it's so weird and how, and even just how people view it some people consider it legit some don't mm-hmm. so anyways this is your traditionally published yes. debut mm-hmm. um so we're going to talk about this book obviously non-spoilers because this thing is uh it's kind of fucked up like in the, it's <laughs> it's as, as in it's hard to talk about even non-spoilery because of the way we'll talk about why but it's just so you know intertwined and in, in the premise obviously but we'll get to that in a minute because a couple of things I did wanted to mention or talk about at least 
for you because you are such one of your many uh, wonderful things that you do. Uh, uh, I would consider yourself, I would consider you a humanitarian. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So what is the Miles to Go Foundation? Tell me all about it because it sounds really cool. Okay, so it is my own little, um, I guess you would say, uh, attempt uh, to to give back. So I take a little bit of the coins that I get from my writing mm-hmm. and uh, I provide, um, I guess you would say like kits for kids to get to school. I've worked at a high school as a high school librarian um, for about 10 years. Um, and I've just transitioned to a virtual academy, but for 10 years, I was working in a high school and there's just so many things that you don't think about that kids need to actually get to school. The scholarship, you know, is one thing, but if you are really, really poor or you're coming from a really marginalized background, you don't, you may not even have a car. So how do you get from your house to your school? Do you have luggage? Do you have all the things that you would need to outfit your dorm? You know, people don't think about those things, but it costs money. It's like going in, you know, building out your tiny little apartment, you know, so you would need like shower shoes and sheets and comforters and towels. And if you're, you know, not from a cold background and you're going up to, you know, a place that's really cold, you're going to need a coat and some like snow boots and things of that nature. So the Mouse to Go Foundation is... um, my way to kind of provide um, those things that we don't think about to kids. So um, I've given cards, like, you know, just like to Walmart or to Target, but I've also given like um, luggage that has uh, Tide and and detergent and towels and, um, you know, and iron and all of those sorts of things that you would need to kind of get to school. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I would like to kind of expand it to where we're like giving away like plane tickets or bus tickets along with, you know, the luggage and all the other stuff that goes with it. But those kinds of like stepping in the gap to provide things that you don't think about kids needing, but they do. Um, it's a really, really cool program. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully it does. You're able to expand it and include all that stuff and then and help even obviously the bigger it gets the more people you can help right that's the yeah idea. um great name obviously you're able to use your last name that worked out yeah. well is that your maiden name or your married name that's my married name perfect How, it's fate it's fate just like the book <laughs> um what's that animal though is that a sloth or something i can't even No, it's a beaver <laughs> that's not a beaver it is a beaver you need to fix that tail you got to show the tail <laughs> a bit more then um <laughs> it's a nice yeah. lo- it is a nice logo though nice colors and, and yeah uh, and that name couldn't have been if that's if that's not kismet then i don't know what is but um <laughs> all right well, that's a really cool program and it's an important issue like you know people always turn their nose up but you know the sort of the progressives asking for uh to wipe free de- debt right college tuition and yeah. uh, debt free in the states and people like you know you know there's people on the on maybe the other side of the aisle that are turn their noses up and ah, it's just giving these people a pass or whatever. I'm like, it's not, it really isn't. It's helping them able you know, to, to climb out of a hole that they never should have been in in the first place. And, and you won't get out of it. And I mean, cause it's not, you like, won't no, never, you know, like, you, it, I mean, like 40 years ago, 45 years ago, you could, you know, I guess work at, you know, the local, 
a fast food joint and make two grand over the summer. And Mm. that was your tuition. Tuition here at a state school. So let's say like the state school here in Georgia is um, like um, University of Georgia or University, you know, or Georgia State University. GSU, which is cheaper of the two, you're going to pay at least 10 grand for one semester. Right. You know, where are you going to get that money and and last time I checked, there's not too many single semester uh, degrees you can. <laughs> you can't get a single yeah. semester. That's so, right. You know, That's so right. Twenty yeah. k, yeah. you know, to start yeah. the most expensive school in the in the state, I think now is Emory, and it's sixty k a year. Yeah. And like you said, that's just to, that's just to get on on campus. That's just to get on campus. That's not to yeah. like live on campus. Live, right. You need to, right. you know, and. You know, how do you do that? So, yeah, I mean, like the, the boomers and the older people who are saying, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like it's not the same. It's not. the you same. Know? No. no. Well, great program. And uh, yeah, continued luck with it. I hope it hope it grows as big as you want it to anyways. And thank you. Um, I'm always a fan of uh, people doing stuff like that. So I do it myself in this area. So it's uh, I'm always, always great to hear. And um you mentioned it that you were a library, so you you were an in person librarian. Now you're you're doing an academy just from online, yeah, or a virtual. Um, librarians are really. Uh, I follow a few on on Twitter and stuff, and, and mm-hmm. they're always uh, fighting a good fight. It you know it feels like, and it seems like it's mm-hmm. overtaxed, overburdened, underfunded system, and it's mm-hmm. very difficult. But it does put you in a unique position of of understanding exactly how. And I mean, if you didn't know already, let's say I. Have a feeling you probably did, but how important representation is, um, it, you know, as much if not more so than anywhere else, because you see it or a lack of every day, and, <clears throat> right? And not to mention the data mining that you're able to do, because every time a marginalized reader comes in asking for a specific title, and especially the low income low income aspect of it, how people just access the books, right? Yeah, I mean, with, it checks it checks all these boxes, and you're just you're on the front. Yeah. The librarians are on the front lines of this, and it just puts you in such a unique position to have an opinion on the, on those types of things, doesn't it? You, yeah, because you you deal with the public. That's right. A lot of people don't deal with the public. Right. Even if you like, I work. You work at the bank. You're only going to be dealing with people who have a bank account. Right. You know, so you've just you know cut out a certain number, you know a, a certain subset of folks. Like the public library is like one of the only places that you can go and sit and be without having to pay for anything you know so you're going to see everyone from children to elderly people you know from all swap you know people who um have special needs you're going to see everyone and you're tasked you should be or you know tasked with serving them so serving them is not just providing them information but providing them access to see themselves and a good librarian is you know really um, thinking of themselves as a warrior for that kind of, you know, public information. So it's an, it's a, it's, it's really important too. And especially as we're really trying to get more authors of color or any marginalized author really into Mm -hmm. the mainstream and, you know, into the public's eye and onto the bestsellers list and all this stuff. And if you listen to any author you know, if you ask them the question, what's the best way I can do to support authors of color, let's say black authors, if it's not number one, it's number two libraries. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Everywhere because yep. Yep. you don't have to buy it. That's you know, right. if somebody has to, you know, but um, because it's a national, but from the national yeah. registry point of view too, right. That's something that's trackable in a, in, mm-hmm. in a really important big way. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it always exists there. You know, like, well, we do weed and get, you know, like let things go, but it's you're, you're for a long time. There just wasn't um, the information there. There just wasn't you know, the, the resources to provide all the, you know, information and, and aesthetic choice to people from all backgrounds. And we're getting a little bit better in some aspects, um, but it's just kind of like, it's slow going. Mm. Did you see that weeding controversy on Twitter there a few weeks ago? <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's like I am a working librarian, so <laughs> I can't stand, and there are all, and I work in a school. So there's, yeah. this kind of comes up, you know, not on a national scale, but on like a, you know, tiny, yeah individual library-based scale because people think of libraries as like book museums. That's right. That's where their books go and they stay there and they live there forever. It was like, no, you can't have everything on the shelf. And sometimes, you know, things, you know, things get old. They aren't read. They have bad information. They have racist information. They have, Mm -hmm. you know, ableist, sexist information. They're, you know, ripped, uh, you know, or just have just, completely outdated views and they have to be pulled off the shelves and, and no, we're not going to send them anywhere else because they're not good anymore. Right. It's, it's funny. People outrage. It's, it's selective outrage. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like a car lot weeds all the time, right? Like they, yeah. they if they kept every car they ever had, I mean, you would just think of like, you know, here comes this Hugo that you loved from 1972. <laughs> leave it right there. Somebody's going to like it. Cause it can get you from, you know, it That's goes right. place. And to, and if it doesn't sell, you know, they break it down for parts and that's just the way of the world. There it is enough space for everything. It was, it was, it was quite an entertaining read. And, and again, the couple like Alex Brown, a couple other librarians that I follow, like jumped right up, jumped right in. They're like, no, 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 this is how it goes. Like, and explained it in detail and still people like, <laughs> like, like in, in everything, you, like, you? like everything you just said, you know, plus a few other points of why weeding occurs and why it happens every day, why, why it's necessary. And people are still like, yeah, but I wanted to read that book. And you're like, well, no, you didn't like, shut no, the you fuck. didn't shut the fuck up. You, <laughs> you didn't. You racist. You know, that's why it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, oh god. Anyway, so yeah, kind of funny. So what's this new gig you've got going then? Oh, the virtual academy. So, you know, now that uh, you know, with COVID raging, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of different um online options. Mm-hmm. So I switched from face to face to a um K through 12 gig where it is all online. And it's very different because I get to work with littles. You know, I you I was exclusively high school for so long. Mm-hmm. Now I see every day I teach classes and they're K through five babies. So I get to read stories and, and do different things with them. And it's it's a different energy. Yeah, that's great though, right? I mean, because like just they're not even they don't even know what jade it is. <laughs> well, I, right? mean, they, <laughs> I mean some maybe right There's yeah a, yeah, yeah. But, they have their own little you know yeah. little issues but for the most part you know like they want to you know get a wiggle break and, and dance and <laughs> and make comics and it's a it's a different vibe yeah just like nap time remember like nap time was great they don't even really do nap time anymore that's fucking bullshit i'm I need to, <laughs> we need to we need to bring that back they don't um, want to do it. You know, when you're that little, you're just like, there's so much life to live. See, that's true. That's true. Forever. Little do they know. Little do they know. <laughs> I read a thing a few years ago, and I, don't, I I should actually follow up, see if they still did it. But I know, like, these big corporations were instituting nap times. Beca- and, uh, because 
just too many people falling asleep at their desks or whatever. Yeah. And so they would set up like really fancy beanbag type nap, <laughs> nap rooms, and they would allow employees to have a nap time in the morning. And they actually saw an increase in productivity overall. So uh, not just like slogging through it. Trying that's to right. Right. Instead of half-assing your day or even nodding off at your desk, you know, get recharged and then you you get back at it. But I don't know yeah. if that was a, sounds like a very uh, privileged thing to do, to do, but uh, how many people can, af- are, can afford to, or are allowed to nap at work, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, without a boss coming by and smacking you in the back of the head. Um well, you know, now they're, you know, people are seeing different, trying to, everybody's trying to go remote so they can get a nap in. It know, is true. Break, it, yeah. Yep. Not, and not even shower, not even wear pants. <laughs> Who knows? Some weird, weird shit. There's weird shit. Down with on. pants and hard bottom shoes. That's right. I mean, just oh, sitting all day is beautiful. I love sitting. Um, you mentioned it there, the pandemic, and it, it does come up uh, in this book and, I was saying to you off air there, this is sort of one of two or three anyways books that I've now just read recently that have, you know, integrated the pandemic. This one we're currently in, into mm-hmm. their, into their narrative. Obviously you are, you know, you can't predict the future unless you can. I don't know. Maybe you can. Um, but uh, you wouldn't have known at the time when you wrote this, obviously, uh-uh. that, it, that it would still be raging. Um, and it does like to rage. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, now that it's out or very close to being out, so okay let's go when did you let's let's kind of connect this to a timeline when did you start okay. writing this or, and when did you come actually let's go like when did you, when did you come up with the idea how'd you come up with it when did you start writing it i guess i would have started writing it in like summer 2018 um if my time is correct yeah summer 2018 i think because i um because it sold in like this you know like january 2019 okay um so i started writing it then because i had and it's not you know like this debut novel but i know some people think like oh this is the first book you've ever written and that's so not the case because you have to you know build your skills up to a certain level and then you know publishing is is kind of funny in that you can write the greatest vampire book there is but if nobody's buying vampires right then you know that book goes on the shelf and you have to yeah. like well how many uh how many rejections did you get for this book or did you get any or- um so here i did dv pit i okay. did okay. i didn't do traditional right. querying. Um, yeah. querying with this book with okay this is the sixth book I've written, I think. Okay. And the previous five were all traditional querying where you just kind of package it up and you give out, you know, send out just like five pages and a pitch and hope they get back with you in like three months and then ask for, you know, the first three chapters and or the full manuscript and, and it kind of goes on from there. Right. But I did a Twitter pitch contest with this one and you just kind of put a pitch in um, in a post yep. and you put like the hashtag and then some agents let you know, hey, send me your stuff. Mm-hmm. And you kind of like bypass all of that, you know? So yep. I got the, the twit, DV pit really was, really changed everything because yeah. it was like 300 retweets and I got like, I don't know, 20 requests for fulls. Uh, from agents. From yeah, it's that. a great, uh, yeah, like that and Pitch Wars and other things. It's great. Mm-hmm. Really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and after I did that, you know, I got like nine offers from agents 
And then I had to kind of like, you know, interview them and go back and forth. So I finally landed with my great agent, John Cusick at Folio um, and uh, kind of went from there. So I read that way too quickly when I read your website the other day and I thought I said John Cusack and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the actor? Lloyd Dobler is a... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry for you young kids out there. Lloyd Dobler's a character from a movie called Say Anything from the 80s. Um, uh, so was that so you had an outline at that point? How uh, how many words was that? It was roughly. Yeah. I mean, you know, under, was, under 100, over 100? under 100, yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah. I knew by then. Right. Like, you know, like the process. Yeah. And again, kids, if you're starting, if you want to try to get into this, getting people, you will start to learn the different nuances about certain things. Like yeah. certain genres have to have a certain word count. That's and right. if you, you know, like you yeah. can do science fiction over 100K. Um, you can do fantasy over 100K. But even then, you need to have like a really good you know, a really good, robust world building idea to justify that many words. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, or just have them time jump a thousand times. There's your loophole. There's your, there's your loophole. I time jump, but I'm still, you know, but I'm still no, under no. that hundred yeah. K. That's right. That's right. You know, It is. Yeah, no, it is. A, it is a short, uh, what is it? Three eighty. 390 pages i'm looking at it right here yeah i mean oh not even close no 350 not yeah. even yeah so yeah it's a quick it's a quick quick read um that's something i want to talk about actually but uh so anyway so you start you get this thing gets picked up you decide who to go with at that point was the pen was it was a you know quote unquote pandemic in your in the story no so no. Okay. it was i had an illness okay but it wasn't you know, tied to the pandemic, right? You know, so it was just an illness. But when I was in revisions, so I, it sold like January 2020. Yeah. And then we start into revisions. And you know, March is when the pandemic hits. That's right. So it's like, okay, we can kind of fold in a little bit of this to kind of make it, you know, part was, that of your, was that your idea or your editors? It was mine. Okay. And your editor you know, was because it's, it's really like it, it, I mean, I know it seems like oh, it has a lot to do with it, but it really, really doesn't. It's just no, no. I'm making it. No, no. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want people to think that this is the book about COVID or the pandemic or anything. But, uh, but you know, this is what this is going to come up. If you're going to write a contemporary story, or or part of your story is going to be contemporary, mm-hmm. we, you know, we listen. We we write stories in the world in which we exist. Yeah. And how do you it's tough to dance around because it's so fucking it is. it's huge right the it pandemic is. is fucking huge it still is like it's it's not it, it's god it's affected it's not an isolated incident in one part of the country right it's it's, it's whole, affected glo- it's global it's planet earth so it's tough yeah. to avoid it just really is so yeah no i'm I, again my apologies if i'm making it sound like this book is a pandemic book or a covid book but it's not but it's just but but i think because it's still so new as far mm-hmm. as in storytelling when i when i do see it or read it or hear about it it just i think it still pops listen eventually it'll be like old hat and they go oh, another book about with covid and it was <laughs> just like you know, yeah, yeah you know. and it was a big thing on like between in like 
writer circles. Yes. Like, do I write a do pandemic I? book? Right. Or right. do, you know, do I include anything about this? Because is everyone going to be tired of it? Because the, you know, the, the publishing is such a long process. So if you do it now, you write a thing now, it's not going to come out for at least another year. That's right. You know, That's so right. you have so to it's think a, it, about whether you want to do that. Right. It's, it, it could be as simple as just integrated into the story in small ways, like, oh, I grab my mask and head out the door. Mm-hmm. Right. And it has nothing to do with the story, but it's yeah. just part of it. If you're writing a slice of life, I'm yeah. like, you know, I, I, I just don't know how you avoid it. But anyways, you acknowledge it, yeah. um, no, you, you, it is in this book. And um, and, and, in the, and again, in the other two instances that I've that I've read it, uh, this and in the, so I'm lumping this in with those as far as I thought it was just done with like a nice, a good level of sensitivity and right. care and care. Um, so, you know, good job on that. Um, um, keep writing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, so I just want to talk about that and just say how you felt sort of, you know, typing the words out, right. Because, because we're still in it. Yeah. That's the, that's the part that's, that's the part that's fucked up is that we're still Mm -hmm. in it and you're Mm -hmm. having, and now you have to write it. And, and I don't know what, you know, tell me at the time when you wrote it, you think, oh, you know, by the time this book comes out, we'll be past it or. Mm -hmm. I have no idea because I mean, there's a. How could you, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no one knows, you know, but I feel like it's just like acknowledging like. everything you can't like you know talk about somebody making lunch you know without talking about a microwave so you get you know like you can't that's right yeah you know you have to acknowledge changes that happen that's right and and, you know it's 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 along with everything else whether it's you know a social upheaval or uh any any of any of the events from 2020 right like Mm -hmm. it's pretty tough to to have a contemporary story in 2020 and not bring up certain events whether it's black lives matter george floyd pandemic fucking Trump, whatever. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Pick your, pick your poison. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, I always wondered that talking to authors all last year, you know, we would talk about when are we going to start seeing stories birthed from 2020 and what are they going to look like? Are they going to be yeah. cynical? Are they going to be optimistic? Are they going to just be pure pulp fantasy? Cause we don't want to think about it at all. Right. Like mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see, uh, um, but we're in a bit of a contemporary renaissance right now. Right. So it's, it's, uh, we have no choice, I think, but to deal with it. And, uh, yeah. I like your approach very much. Um, was watching an interview with you and you had a really good, made a really good point about black erasure face, uh, you know, how we only, the media anyways, only focuses on the bad stuff as far as the black communities are concerned. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's getting better at all? Like at all? Because I don't think that it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that Black creators are, you know, able to do different things. And, um, you know, there are different platforms where you can see um, Black art and literature. And you've always been able to see music. But I mean, like film and TV matters because some people don't have you know, access to, you know, the ways that we imbibe music. So if you're mm-hmm. like, you're not, if, are you listening to the radio and what kind of things do you get from the radio? Cause it's free, right. you know, <clears throat> you know, and then television, you turn on your television, you know, what's coming on like network television and what's getting like the spotlight. So I think that, you know, Lovecraft country came out and I feel like stuff like that, you know, like genre bending, 
um like fabulous type of stuff yeah fabulous type of stuff like you know you can see black people have a future you know like if you even if you are i guess what they would call like a bleeding heart liberal you may still feel that nothing is authentic unless black people are suffering because black people have such a hard time out here in 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 america or in the world but we've always survived you know <laughs> So yeah. like there's still black people here. So there's black people falling in love and there's black people, but you know, you know, making jokes, you know, and they deserve just as much uh, you know, uh access to those stories as anyone. And it also speaks to our own humanity. If you know you all you see is suffering, then that's what you believe black people do. That's right. You suffer. And all these instances of of you know, seeing black folks, like you said, whether it's on network TV or whatever the situation is, you know, that's, it's usually in service of somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, you got to wonder, like, has the needle moved as much as they want us to think that it has, they being like white people in charge. Uh, Right. So. Yeah. But you still see like, there's cool cool things like uh, Michael Burnham on Star Trek discovery. Yeah. Like she's like the captain of a ship in Star Trek. And there are a lot of fan, you know, fan kids upset about it, but there's also. Oh, there's breakthroughs for sure. I mean, like even even just in publishing, I mean uh, the, the blackout women, I mean, all, they were all on good morning America talking about their book blackout. Like that wouldn't have happened a year ago. They wouldn't have happened a year yeah, yeah. ago. And even five years ago, you right. couldn't go, like, if you wanted to just go, let me go and buy. I remember being at a book festival, maybe 2017, 2016. And I'm at the American Library Association National Convention. And they have a huge, you know, like convention hall with all of the major publishers and mm-hmm. even the mid, you know, like the littles out with all of their new books and their new offerings. And you could go into a booth and not find a single book that had a black main character and you could ask, Hey, can I have, you know, like I'm looking for, you know, like I serve, you know, you know, kids from all backgrounds. You have any books, you know, with, you know, black boys doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Nope. Right. You know, I think, yeah, I think I'm just, because I'm just cynical by nature. I just, I'm afraid that it's, it's fleeting. You know what I mean? Because I think that some people want it to be fleeting. uh, Right where they're just kind of sitting on it and waiting it out yeah. because even if you are hiring people on the bottom, like, okay, we've, you know, like they, 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 they found us out. There's been a report. <laughs> yeah. It's in the New York times and they're talking about it. We've got to get a new internship in here. Yeah. We've got to get some, some black people at the bottom right. um, into the, into the ranks. And they're, you know, they're, and they've been doing that, but you still have the old heads at the top you know, that are right. making the decisions. And, you know, as long as it's making money, cool. But I still think some of the older people are still trying to kind of wait it out to see what's going to happen. That's right. And and I just because, you know, it's you've been burned before, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's all. I, I'm just, that's my, uh, that just sort of concerns me is that I hope it's not fleeting i hope it's not just because it's the, the hip thing to do right now and that it is long term and i think and i think to your point maybe and correct me if i'm wrong i think we'll see sort of like a bellwether will be will we get to a point where there are black uh stories being afforded opportunity and room on bookshelves even if it's not selling well yes it, it, when we can be mediocre that's right 
and still get, you know, get a deal. The same opportunities. Yeah. The same opportunity. Yeah. Then yeah. that's when, you know, that's when we've made it when we can just kind of be meh. Right. You know, like it was okay. You know? Yeah. And, and that's right. Still pick <laughs> yeah. It up, yeah. And then we've made it. And I think, you know, the longer it goes on and people start to pick up books. So there's going to be people and especially um, I'm 40. Mm-hmm. So if you've got 40 year olds picking up books and you've never read a book by a black author or never read a book with a, a black romance, you know, and you pick one up and you read it. All those ladies, all those kids who are reading that first book and realizing, oh, I can relate to these characters, then it's going to be easier for them to buy something else later on. Mm -hmm. And then you won't have to worry about it being a blockbuster, you know, because, you know, it'll still sell like everything else. That's right. That's right. So watch that you were doing a panel with some other authors and uh, you were talking about that and you made some just excellent points. So I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk to you and let that go by without bringing it up because uh, I think you, you got her figured out when so many other people don't i also i also blog for we need diverse books so one of my mm-hmm. bo- one of my bosses you know queen danielle clayton uh yeah who does still doesn't get enough credit as far as i'm concerned for the bells and stuff like this but uh mm-hmm. just talks a lot about you know retention is such an important word when it comes to this right like yes. so inspiring when i hear authors say that i'm just like that's right that is exactly it retention is such an important word in this case but anyways um Speaking of uh, getting books published uh, for all time, this is a, I'm kind of a summary nerd and yours is so wonderfully short. So I get to, (laughs) so I get to read it (laughs) because sometimes we're just way too long. Um, Tamara's a musician and warrior survivor. Fayard, he's a pioneer, a hustler and a hopeless romantic. Together, Tamar and Fayard have lived a thousand lives, seen the world build itself up from nothing only to tear itself down again at civil war. They've watched humanity take to, Take to the stars, but in each life, one thing remains the same, their love and their fight to be together. One love story after another, their only concern is they never get to see how their story ends until now. When they finally discover what it will take to break the cycle, will they be able to make the sacrifice? Um, talk about, uh, yeah, so like that's that's the, the promotional language. Um, is there, you know, is there something that the summary doesn't really get to that you think is the heart of the book or is it just, are you just an unabashed sort of like ro- romance across space and time? <laughs> you know, I, mean, it, I mean, it is, you know, the like, you know, because the book, it, it, sorry to interrupt. It's just it, the book, you do bring up some very important themes as you, as you take these characters yes. know, way back in time to, to the future as well. There, I wanted to be very intentional about showing Black love throughout time, because if you're thinking about, you know, I guess Black people, you look like, even now, it's like, oh, they've always been suffering. And it's just not true. And we've had, you know, there's, there's a diaspora as well. You know, so I wanted to kind of highlight that, the different ways that, you know, we are living, because you know, you see that a lot now with like gender, not gender bending, but, um, you know, race blind um, casting in um, particularly like with Bridgerton. And um, there was a little hubbub in um, England when they um, uh, uh, race blind casted uh, Anne Boleyn. And it's like, oh, well, there were no black people then. Well, yeah, 
There were. Right. <laughs> and they were like around everywhere. Doing stuff. Doing to, stuff. Talking. Talking, <laughs> interacting with people. Yeah. Yep. Um, even in Elizabethan England. And it's like, you know, you're 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 kind of talking off the side of your neck. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. So I wanted to kind of like highlight that. I also wanted to um, you know, really have like a swoony like romance. Just yeah. Really deep, deep kind of like I am in love and I live for this person because I challenge anyone to name four black romances for teens period you know not even that you read just off the top of your head with a black boy and a black girl together and you will be hard pressed because that's just it just has it's, it's you know with that that is that is a a a sorry sorry state of affairs right now um and that's kind of sad given that you know and i've said before and, and i'm not picking on sarah Desson, but she's got like her career is just romance there isn't anybody on the other side like that you know um for i guess you know marginalized groups you know asian indigenous black you know, Latino, Latino, you know, there's just like, you know, white kids get to fall in love all the time at school, you know, across time, but black kids, you know, Asian kids. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I'm immersed in it. I could, I mean, I'm looking at my bookshelf and there's, I can give you a few examples that (laughs) a few dozen examples. And that Mm -hmm. was, I hate to bring a blackout again, but that was, you hear them, the authors say that they're like, we wanted to see black people in love. Mm-hmm. So, but you're right in, in, in an industry where it's still only about 11% is authors of color, you, you know, that, and that gets divided up again. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then again, and again, and again, yeah, there isn't, there just isn't that many stories being told by black authors to begin with. And how many of those stories are romance related? And not just so, that it used yeah. to be a thing. And I think they're getting a little, a bit, I don't know if they're getting away from it, but it used to be like, you had to have a white love interest right you yeah, know just you're right 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 just to make it palatable for the white just uh, to make yeah, it yeah, so yeah, that yeah. they could you know like you know like they're not you know there was just and there's a lot of assumptions you know i think at don't want to don't want to turn off the white reading crowd the white women yes, turned off. they won't <laughs> yeah. read it if there's not someone that you know that they can relate to you know despite the fact that you know like i've read you know like for the, the majority of my life i've read you know character you know read books there were no black people in it right you know yep. i've read you know the lord of the flies is assigned all the time there's not a single woman in there and i still read it right. <laughs> you know? That's, oh yeah yeah i mean you just you couldn't uh you what else what like you well what other choice did you have i mean it's like yeah. it's if you didn't i guess your other choice could be not to read books yeah. <laughs> but if you grew up in a certain time finding it, like it, it, someone I just said this the other day to somebody like it, it turns out representation actually fucking matters like yeah. b- big shocker right mm-hmm. and here I'm you know and so like case in point and here I'm I've got your book in my hands here and there's two beautiful black people on the cover embracing each other I mean that's you just wouldn't have seen that Mm-mm. right not that long ago so here we are right so yeah um that was yeah so one of the cool things I liked about this book was it has this like like the, the pinnings of an epic grand sci-fi across time and space story but you actually yeah. make it intimate mm-hmm. and small not small as in like small small I just mean like you really zero in on focus in on you know the things that matter there's not a lot of fluff in this book 
Yeah, we had to kind of like, you know, kind of trim off, you know. What was I was going to ask you that, like, because that's what it feels like it's been edited. Um, yes, because yeah. they, I had a lot. I had a few more stops, you know. Because oh, you did? Okay. That. Yeah, I had a few more stops <laughs> and, the, and then they were and they got cut um, for, you know, for time and for length. Um, and it will probably get repetitive. It, I it would got repetitive, yeah, a little bit yeah, repetitive and you, yeah. I mean, but you can stretch anything out, but that's the, like the great thing about good editing and like traditional publishing is hopefully you're going to like come, you know, like, okay, we're going to make this story better, mm-hmm. make it tight, you know, like we needs to be, when I'm revising, I, you know, that kind of, that word is going in my head a lot. You know, I want it to feel, tight and 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 together like there's not like i'm not wasting time i don't want anybody to flip pages to skip to the next portion like everything is supposed to matter Mm. so that takes a little bit of effort to kind of move things around that's right speaking of stops yeah you do go a few places um uh you go to you know like i don't know it's i don't know is it spoilery to talk about the places you went to? Not- no, 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 no. Uh, there's four. I go to 14th century Gao. Yep. So 1325 Gao. You mm-hmm. even you even make a very quick stop in 1789 Paris. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If it's in it. It's so people will get it when they read that part. Yeah. 19, 1924 Pennsylvania. Of course, present day a couple of times. You're in South Carolina. You're in Washington D.C. Yeah. 2032 Cape Town. Um, 2260 Alpha 9 Lunar Base Um, you go a lot of places and a lot of but but it's but and and you know you you make sure you say this in the book too you know with the the, just dual points of view the two characters Tamar and Mm -hmm. and Bayard Um, and they mention this it's sort of the when it's it's more is when is more important than the where yes but not to discount the where so Mm -hmm. talk to me about then the places why? Why these times? Why these places? Was there a method to your madness or did you just like roll the dice? Um, I think when I started, because I built it out, the way that it started was um, it's, it's not random, but OK, maybe it is a little random <laughs> because, <laughs> because um, right. I, okay. I was writing I was writing a historical romance yep. and I like the history and I wrote the book and I was like, well, I want to do one that's in different places. And I started writing just little treatments in different places to see which one I liked the most, you know, which one had, you know, a lot of cool things going on at the time you know, which spaces offered opportunities to. Even aesthetically too. I, I found yeah. all the places that you went with were just very, very um, like you could, very just uh, feasty for the, for the senses, yeah, right? The senses. Like, like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Been, you know, like different, dre- completely different dress, right? completely right. different music, technology, different music. I mean, like food and yeah. technology, you know, where are we going to be? So um, once I did that, I was like, okay, I want to kind of weave these together. And that's kind of how they ended up being the same people because I was writing the same people in these different places to see which one I, you know, which one I liked the best. Right. And like I said, some of some of the, you know, the, the areas, you know, got dropped out because I did have one in like San Francisco mm. in the when late 60s. Late 60s, okay. So yeah, so where you've got the hippies, and the Black Panthers 
Oh, a huge time you know, of great, great change. Yeah, the, yeah uh, they're e at the equal same rights, time. E equal Rights Act, uh, yes, like all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. They go, yeah, so they're all there at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, like the women's lib movement, and there's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of you know stuff that could be you could do with all of that. Well, when you place black characters at any point in history, that changes the story. If it was white people, for obvious reasons, which I hope should be obvious to people, um, like Bethany Morrow just wrote a remix for Little Women, right? For her, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, the the second you make the March Sisters black in that time in that part of the country, it changes the entire story. It does. Because it has um, to. Other, you wouldn't be honest if you didn't, right? And she's Bethany's on if nothing but honest and mm -hmm. and wonderful. So um, it changes it, doesn't it? So yeah, like you couldn't have them in. You can't have them in in uh, 1924 in America and not acknowledge certain truths. Yes, but, right? and, and, but I also wanted to make it where it's not centering whiteness as well. Like white people. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, exist yeah, and they're yeah. there. Because right. I, I, I guess I want to say, like my grandmother, she grew up in um, Columbia, South Carolina, in the '40s, mm -hmm. and she was like, I never even saw a white person. Right. Till I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I, you know, like everything was segregated. Yep. I didn't deal with them at all. My schools were black. The places, you know, like the, the, the city pool where I went to, you know, there was nothing but black people. Unless and, you traveled or, or broke the law, I guess, even or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, but you know, you know, like they are there, but you know, how your life is set up and what your mobility is dependent upon you know, like the political right leanings of yeah. leanings of the day. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, like with, I guess with white people is like, you're the majority, you don't have to think about the politics, you know, right. like, that's, that's you right. know, like, but with black people, there's always like something about, you know, the political landscape that's going to affect your life, you mm -hmm. know, where you can go, when you can go, what you can do, what you can aspire to, you know, whom you can marry, when you can marry, you know, mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's in America, but there are two spaces. Like in when I'm in Cape Town, when we're on the lunar base, when we're in Gao, um, you know, there is no, there are no white people. That's right. You know, affecting yeah. the, the lives of the characters. So I wanted to kind of highlight that as well. Like, this is not the natural state of the world. This is like created. <laughs> Well, right. Well, we have, you know, history to tell us this, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would be dishonest if, again, you were 1325 gal and then had a bunch of white people walking around. I mean, but they're there too. <laughs> they're they're so there, like, but know, it's they're not. Aware. Right. They're there, but it's yeah. just like, you know, I'm not paying attention to them right now. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's not, this is not your story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you have an interesting line in this book and it reminded me of a line from a film. So the line in your book is one of the first markers of civilizations is the existence of art. Very often music. Um, music is a marker of life. Um, great line. And uh, it will make more sense to people in context. But music is something that runs throughout this book, uh, yes. for sure. Um, and it reminded me of a line in a movie called Arrival. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. It was based on a Ted, Ted Chang short story. But uh, mm -hmm. they have a line there. The cornerstone of civilization isn't language. It's science. Mm -hmm. And that's so that's a scientist saying that to a linguistic person who thinks yeah. the opposite. So it's always it's, it's kind of funny how it changes depending mm -hmm. on who, your point of view and, and what 
what career you've chosen. Yes. Right. So an artist or a musician would say that, whereas a theoretical physicist would say, no, of course it's science. Mm -hmm. What's um, it's in the book, but is that, is what do you you have any opinions on that? Like what's, because it's funny how there's, there's actually like a Venn diagram you could make. I mean, you can't have, you almost can't have, it'd be tough to have music and art without some type of language. You know, yeah, I mean, so. yeah, it, it's, it made sense in the context of yeah. the book, right. but I mean, it's like personally, my I wouldn't discount it though. Like yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. because I would say civilization. I mean, because I mean, Kate, <laughs> listen, I, I guess it depends on on your definition of science as well. But like, you could make an argument yeah. that cave art was around before the wheel. Yeah, cave <laughs> right? art was there. You know, as long yeah. as we're getting around a fire, there's probably going to be somebody singing. That's there's right. Probably going to be somebody, you know, pounding out a beat somewhere. Right. And you know, you I also guess... have to have enough leisure time where you're not, you know, where you can construct. Where you're not running from your life, running for your yeah, life. Yeah, or... <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'm not searching for food or trying to keep warm yeah, that's right yeah you know or you at know, war yeah at war you know like what's your definition of like civil you know like civil well i was just going to say really really <laughs> the definition is what is what civilization what's civilized mm-hmm. right like yeah like is you know some people throwing shadows on a wall painting shadows on a wall would you consider that civilized or not? i guess mm-hmm. is maybe the argument you can be had but it's an interesting perspective and I, I thought of another book i read recently too light from uncommon stars where they end up taking long very long story short they end up taking music into space um and that actually ends up healing this thing that's going on and anyway so that's mm-hmm. it's in the same idea as that you know music it is it is a language it's a form of expression yeah. and it can cause healing it can it can cause all sorts of things so mm-hmm. you know is that it's very important in this book is it important to you in real life um i'm not a musician i've always wanted to to mm-hmm. kind of you know learn to play an instrument but i'm not sure if i have the patience at this point. You <laughs> right. Know, like, well, you're also very busy. You know, yeah, yes. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe when I retire, I'll learn how to play sure. something, you know, play the, you know, play something cool. Yeah. But um, I wanted her, I wanted the, you know, the music has to do with, with Tamar, one of the main characters. And I wanted her to have um, an, an art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted it to be something I felt that could translate you know, throughout time. And I feel like music is one of those things that's particularly suited to that. Mm-hmm. Um, because even with like visual arts, the mediums may change in the future. And I can't imagine, you know, what that would be like, what kind of, you know, like, are we going to be using paints in the future? Are we going to be, is everything going to be digital if we are, you know what I mean? And how would you consume you know, your art, you could, cause we could, you know, photography didn't exist 200 years ago, you know? Oh so, even, yeah. I mean, even look at the way uh, artists are doing paint drawing and illustrating now is did mostly yes. did digital, right? So it's mm-hmm. changing. It's cha- Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, and it's exponential and it'll take, you know, the purists, I guess, to always keep the uh, paint shops open. 
mm-hmm. the, art, the arts and craft stores open, right? So mm-hmm. um, there might there might always be a, a, a need for that. Who knows? But yeah, you're right. It, it is it changes so much, and what it looks like now is not how it's going to look in a hundred years from now. Certainly not in twenty two sixty. Yeah. If we if, I, if we survive to twenty two sixty as a species, mm-hmm. uh, if you can find an easel anywhere, I guess good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't yeah. like you know I wanted something I wanted to do something that you know could could kind of like take her from any point in time and I feel like music has always existed in that form um so you leave the ending I'm going to say ambiguous Mm -hmm. um we're not going to talk about it obviously detailed but because this book uh the nature of it like I said you go forward in time you go backwards in time you're a little bit you know going here going there um there's this, you know, this cycle, it's even in the summary, right? Like there's this, mm-hmm. this, this time loop, this never ending cycle and, and trying to get out of it is sort of one of the things they come, they have to come to terms with. And so I'm just curious about the ending from a practical writing standpoint. Did you, when did you conceive of it? Was it there from the beginning? Did you write your way backwards? Because when you're writing in, in this sort of time, when you're playing with time, the way you do, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily lend itself. It's not linear storytelling. And I'm wondering no. if, you, and I'm wondering if you wrote it linearly. Linear, linear, linear. Um, I did write it linearly. Yeah. And then in the editing process, um, we kind of shifted things around because there, you know, the different time periods are in their own little capsules. Right. So you could, you know, do, you know, life 142, life 999, you know, and, but we didn't kind of do, you know, and that was, um, you know, my editor, um, Krista Vitola at Simon and Schuster, she was like, well, let's try, you know, to kind of, um, chop it up a little bit, move these pieces around. So it was, it was, you know, definitely, you know, done linearly, um, until they start to kind of figure out, you know, you know, that they are in kind of a loop or that there is an opportunity to, you know, change this, this cycle, right? Because there's questions of awareness. Do you know, you know, what's going on while you're in it? You know, like, we could all be in our own little personal time loops, you know, like, I could have been living this life, this could be life 462 for me, I have no idea, you know, right now, that that's, you know, that that's what it is, is, so there had to be some sort of, um, continuity or through line but I did know that they were going to break I did know that I wanted them to be able to break the cycle and that the ending was going to be how it was going to be okay I did know that you know they were going to figure out a way out of this and what was going to happen to those two characters after they figured it out right how to get there was a was a was a took a little work <laughs> yes this uh for all time this is a really fun read i really enjoyed it i i as and the science fiction nerd in me really appreciated the 2260 alpha nine parts um i'm glad i um, love fiction too yeah it was that was a lot of fun to read and then i don't want to spoil it too much but you know you should, <laughs> there's a lot of like some of every time period has important themes and there's some that run all throughout colonialism is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you deal with, uh, you deal with some touchy, there's lots of, you, you dabble in disability and, and of course colorism and different things and some very, some very sensitive subjects. And I think you handled it well. Um, at the end of the day, this book really comes down to sort of like this, it's butting heads. You've got fate and choice, don't you? And yes. uh, you know, and, and what, what is fate and can we, with our actions alter fate 
or, mm-hmm. or, or is fate fate? And there's, doesn't matter whether you turn left or right, you're going to still end up at the same end of the street. So mm-hmm. interesting premise. And I really had a good time reading this book and I would encourage people to pick it up because it is, yeah, because it's not very long. It's a quick read, but it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and these two, and uh, the main characters are great. Nothing wrong with the main characters. So you're going to, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to want, and, and you, you put them through hell and back, but. Uh, yeah. Well, but that's what you're supposed to do with characters. That's Beat right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. They're very, very likable though, which is important mm-hmm. in, in any story, of course. So um, congratulations on your uh, traditional uh, debut. Thank you. And um, this will come out a couple of days after the launch, actually. So we'll have a great launch day and I hope you uh, have a wonderful launch week and, and all those great things. And uh, thanks so much for coming on, Shauna. I really had a great time. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You have a great rest of your day, sir. You as well. There you have it. Another episode of Everything is Canon all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Shauna for taking the time to chat. Like I said, For All Time is a fun read with a really great concept, so I recommend checking it out. The book is out now, so pick up a copy wherever books are sold and head on over to shaunamiles.net for more information. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen and head on over to cinelinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please, Can he be safe out there? Bye for now.